The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Amen. So when the angels went away up into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known this, the things that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Join me in prayer. Gracious and holy God, you have appeared and you have manifest yourself in this child, this Messiah, son of David, Christ the Lord. Manifest yourself present today in us and through us that we may be your people called by your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's amazing to me as well as it is to the gospel writer that shepherds were chosen to receive the first good news. Is it surprising to you? I mean, it, it's, it's almost unbelievable. In fact, to be honest, it, the, if you read it, I, I brought my Greek New Testament and I thought it would be I, I wanted to share with you exactly what it says. And it's actually more, more profound than is indicated in the English Standard Version. I'm just going to transliterate it from the Greek when it says, and all of those that heard were amazed. Thaumatso is not amazed or wondered. It's gobsmacked. It's, it's absolutely befuddled. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's more than we could imagine in terms of no way. Really? It's not possible. They were thaumatsoed. They were, it's good old Southern term, flabbergasted, basically. They, they were flabbergasted concerning the things that were spoken to them. And it, it, we say by the shepherds, right? And, and in the Greek, it ought to be an, an accusative, but it's not, it's a dative. So, I mean, it's a, it's not a, it's a genitive, which means of the shepherd. So the point here is that they were absolutely gobsmacked, amazed at this message from the shepherds? It, it really? And, and, and it even and, and it, as it goes down and mentions that it's Mary who's pondering these things. This is Luke's way of saying that he directly interviewed her and got this story from her. That even she was amazed. According to the Greek, it's like everybody was, was gobsmacked that, that the shepherds were the ones who got this message and shared it with everybody. Really? What's their significance? Why are they significant to God? Maybe this says something about what does it mean to be significant to God? 
Why them of this great news of good joy that be for all the people? Why these folks? There's something significant here that we don't want to miss in terms of what God is saying to us about what he counts as significance. And we all search for significance. We're all looking for it. There's books called Man's Search for Meaning. There's a book called Search for Significance. That, that we all want to be significant, and, but we find unique and actually unhealthy ways to be significant. We, we tend to, and according to this book, The Search for Significance, we tend to find it in what we can accomplish, things we do, jobs we have, people we know, that we, we get it in relationships as well, people that we are friends with, we, Facebook and Twitter and these ways that help us to know and have others tell us how wonderful we are. Our jobs and our, our, our children and all the accomplishments that, that we put out there. That's how we measure our significance. There, there's a recent study, uh, I'm an Air Force member, there's a recent study at Air Force Times about why major depression and suicide rates hits young airmen. What's, what's going on with that? And it has nothing to do, as they say, with deployments. It has nothing to do with trauma caused by deployments. In fact, what the study shows and what my own experience in four deployments finds out is that people that deploy are much more likely to be, be engaged in what they're doing. They're with their unit. They're doing something meaningful for their country. It's actually not those folks that go to that point of depression and suicide. It's people back home that are having marriage problems, that are having job problems, finance problems. All of those ways that we measure our significance is in crisis for them. The loss of a job, the, the, the loss of a significant relationship, those things that we, we use to measure, am I important? That is how we tend to find our significance. And as, as we look at this, this particular scene, I want you to go with me back to that, that area of Bethlehem. In your mind, you can picture the scene because we've seen enough Christmas cards, we've seen enough movies. You can go back with me to Bethlehem. Let's do that for a second. In your mind's eye, the evening is, is dark, but the stars are bright. There's a moon coming up over the hill on the west. You can see the, the hills and the, the fields. And so I want you to think about that. And, and as you're gazing at the stars and looking down at that little town of maybe about 250 people, you know, look, gaze off to the, the south and the east. And as you do, you're not going to focus on the fields where shepherds are. I want you to focus on what's causing that huge shadow as the moon is behind it. There's this, this massive something that, that just creates this shadow, even with, from the moon, that, that covers all of the hills around Bethlehem. And it's a fortress about a mile and a half to two miles from those fields where we have met the shepherds. There's this massive fortress, third largest in the world at the time. And it's called the Herodian. It was built originally on two hills. Herod took two small hills and had people move all this dirt, move, literally move a mountain and build this one big tall hill that's 500 feet high. It's 47 acres of palace. And it's called the Herodian. It's, it's got 
walls around it that are 45 feet high. In fact, double walls. People actually lived in the walls. They were so big. And then a tower that faced off to the towards the Mediterranean that would catch the breeze during the, the, the hot seasons. And it was a tower was 125 feet above the walls. Massive, huge fortress. But, but that's only one of the many that he built. This man was a man of accomplishment. He built some of the largest and most beautiful, magnificent palaces ever to be described in the history books. He built Caesarea for the Romans. He built this massive seaport and actually out in to the Mediterranean Sea, he built a fresh water swimming pool. That's where the Caesar's representatives would come. That's why it was called Caesarea. It was, it was named after Caesar, one of his dear friends and family member. Actually, he ended up marrying one of the family members. So, so he was a man of, of accomplishment, a man of power of influence. He, he had the, the Romans as his friends. He, now himself, he wasn't actually Jewish. He was Edomian, which was from the south. So he actually should not have been able to be king, but he married into the right family. He married into the Hasmonean dynasty. He married Mary Amney, which was one of the princesses. So he had the right, fa the right Facebook friends. He had the good Twitter accounts. He had everything that you can imagine. And then he built something that's even more magnificent that's still described today still longed for today. And that's what we call Herod's temple. It was a massive structure. He, he was appealing to the mass crowds, wanted, I guess, all of the likes and the follows and wanted to be a, you know, an influencer. So he built this massive place of worship. In fact, you know, I work at the Pentagon, which I enjoy immensely, but I come in through the Metro entrance. I don't know if you've ever come through the, you, you, every, if you go in the metro entrance, you don't really appreciate the size and grandeur of that place. But every now and then, my, I, will, I will come in a different way and I'll, or I'll drive by it. If you've driven by the Pentagon, it's just huge, isn't it? It's, it's 480,000 square feet, five stories high, miles of corridors. So I love driving by it and, and thinking to myself, I work there. That's cool. And I thought that was cool and I thought that place was big until I read the specifications of Herod's temple. Now the Pentagon is 480,000 square feet. The temple complex was 1,500,000 square feet. It was three times the size. So next time you drive by the Pentagon, think. Three times this size. Pentagon's five stories high and four more stories added on. It was nine stories high. And you think, that was the temple where God was worshiped. That's what Herod built. Some of the stones, 12 tons. We still marvel today. I mean, this guy was popular. He was influential. He was wealthy. He had, was self-sufficient. He had all the, he, he was the poster child for what we in America want today, right? He was the poster child for, for what is considered achievement, is what's considered a person that, that has influence and that has power and that everybody admires, you know, that kind of idea. A lot of people strive for that. That's where significance is, right? In our stuff, in our, in our job, that we have one, we're doing a good job, we have lots of friends. Why does God skip that? That, that Herodian is sitting right there 
And if you could imagine in your mind's eye, as you move from that shadow and think the angels are about to appear. I mean, if you could imagine, you know, you, many of you have gone to like recitals and things like that, been in them behind the curtain, you know, getting all dressed up and giddy and peeking out there to see who's there and, and, and getting ready for the, the curtain to draw and all this practice has gone into it. If you could imagine the angels, you know, they're like, the, the king of the universe is going to be born. We've got to get that, got to get the notes right. We've got to get the tune right. We've got to get the message right. And, and we're going to go out there and we're going to dazzle the, the nations with the brilliance of this great message. And the curtain is drawn back. And they make the announcement. And there's three shepherds and five sheep going, ah. I mean, what, what, I mean, why did God go completely around the significant people, those who think of themselves as have earned their way, and go to these dirty, not always so religious, they couldn't keep their requirements, they couldn't keep the washing and all that stuff going on, they couldn't always attend synagogue or church, they, they had things that they had to do, they were poor, smelly. Why them? What's significant about them? What's the unique message that is important to us? Maybe it's not so much about their achievement, but their availability. I want to share with you, this past week, if you've, uh, if you've been uh, praying the daily office during the day, the, the last parts of Isaiah uh, are, were these uh, 65 and 66 this past week. And God is speaking. In fact, this is God is. These are all the messianic times. I'm when he's talking about. I'm coming back. I'm going to rescue my people. I'm going to bring a new Jerusalem. Sixty-five starts this way, and he says, "God says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not even ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, Here am I. Here am I, to a nation that was not even called by my name." I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that's not good and who follow their own devices. Then it goes on and it talks about I'm bringing a new heaven and a new earth. And then he says this in 66, thus saith the Lord, Lord in capital letters means Yahweh, the name of God. Thus says Yahweh, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What is this house that anyone would build for me? What is the place of my rest? What is the place of my rest? All these things my hand have made, but this is the one to whom I look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. That person's available. Are you available to the Lord? It, our significance is really found in our availability to the Lord, our, our seeking Him, our contriteness, which means somebody that really needs God, that comes to a place of need and knowing it turns to Him and trembles at His word. That's where our significance lies. And his son continued the tradition. Fishermen, tax collectors, ex-prostitutes, people that were available, and the rich even so, Zacchaeus, as long as he 
got himself right with the Lord. Nicodemus. It wasn't that they did or did not have resources. It was that they knew that these resources did not bring them to God or even matter to him. It was their availability. Let's make ourselves available to this child, to this God who loves us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you. For you do not look to our performance, our goodness, our ability to be religious, our ability to achieve anything. You look to the lowly and the contrite and the one who trembles at your word. Help us to tremble at your word. In Christ's name, amen.